Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast presented by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. Remember, you can book an appointment online or you can give them a call at 865-299-2290. Find out more information on Twitter about Blue Water Climate Control at Blue H2O underscore climate. And if you call today, you can join the Blue Water Climate Control Smooth Sailing Service Plan. Service plan includes seasonal inspections, 10% off labor and parts, no after-hour fees, priority scheduling, and more, all starting at $180 a year with low monthly payment options available. With Blue Water Climate Control, you get preventative maintenance using a quality maintenance standard and not a quick check, uh, collective money and go type deal. This is a standard procedure. This is a standard maintenance plan. Uh, that is essential for your heating and air systems. All right, let's jump right into things here on this edition of the podcast. And uh, guys, Tennessee has a coaching staff. I guess they're, quote, technically won over at this point, if you consider uh, the latest hire done, Austin Price. But we can, know. Can you back it. count or forward count, Brent, like you did in recruiting? <laughs> you got a gray shirt? We got a gray shirt or blue shirt, somebody. Um, so we, we know Kevin Steele at some point is not going to be a part of the staff, how they finalize that remains to be seen, although I don't see any way you can finalize that other than paying him um, the buyout money that he is owed, which is $900,000 on a, on a contract that he worked about three weeks on at this point. Um, but all, all said, you know, Tennessee has Austin Price, a 10th assistant coach in the building working. Yeah, Mike Eckler is uh, going to coach – special teams and, and, and help with that and uh, help with the outside backers. So, you know, I mean, this is a, a, a someone who you know, has bounced around Brent, but has coached at a lot of big time schools. I mean, usually he's been at USC, he's been at LSU, he's been in North Carolina. He's obviously, you know, uh, you know, been at Georgia. I mean, like Nebraska. I mean, like he understands coaching at a place that's got tradition. He understands coaching, um, at the power five level, recruiting at the power five level. And, um, I, you know, from just, I, I don't know why he's bounced around so much, but at the same time, you know, I think getting a guy with his kind of experience is, 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 you know, quite a good hire for Josh Heupel. It's an interesting, it's interesting, Rob, because there, there are obviously ways to look at, you know, bouncing around that much. Was it just never in a good situation? Was it always trying to better his situation? Um, for whatever reason, you, you don't know. But this is a guy who has some SEC experience and he's got some ties to the South in, in recruiting, which I do think was it was something that was important to Josh Heupel in finishing out the staff. Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't really – I mean, coach, coaches are vagabonds in, in a lot of ways. And you're not going to keep getting those jobs, those kind of jobs, those kind of schools, if people that you work with don't have good things to say about you. I mean, you, you guys – know this as well as me. I mean, the coaching fraternity is, you know, one of the biggest gossip circles, you know, it, that, that you can, you can imagine. And, you know, people get reputations and people, you know, there's a network where, you know, all kinds of people know each other. And like I say, I, I, you don't keep getting hired at those kind of programs. If the people that you work for in the past are, you know, if you burn bridges. And this is a guy, Austin, that Josh Heupel knows. Uh, maybe they're not the closest guys in the world, but they did, they did spend a year together as graduate assistants at Oklahoma. And, and when you look at the defensive side of the ball now, he's got, you know, a, a guy that he spent a year with at Oklahoma in yep. his latest hire. He's got Willie Martinez, who he's, he's worked for three years with uh, at Central Florida. Um, then he's got Rodney Garner, who he doesn't know. 
Uh, that was a hire based on recommendations and reputation. Um, and then, you know, there's, he knows of Tim Banks, but he never had work with Tim Banks. So there's, there's a couple of guys that he has a little more familiarity with that, than a couple of other guys. And of course, his offensive staff, he's very familiar with. So, you know, I, I think some familiarity probably helped um, Josh Heupel and maybe making this decision um, to go this direction as opposed to maybe hiring uh, the Brumfield guy from Virginia who also has a nice reputation as well, but he didn't have the tie to Josh Heupel. And Brumfeld spoke with uh, Tim Banks. He, he spoke with um, Alex Golish. Golish, but he did not ever have a conversation with, with Josh Heupel. Uh, so it never got to the point that he was really a finalist for a job or anything like that. Feels like Heupel went a little bit more familiarity here um, with what he was looking for in his special teams decision than, than anything else. Now, it's not to say that he chose a, a coach that wasn't as qualified, because when you look at where this guy's been, he's got a bigger resume uh, than Brumfield does. But I, I think one of the things that probably helped here was the fact that Heupel had spent time with him in the office and had worked with him. No doubt. You know, I do think there's something to be said for that. And, uh, you know, I, we knew that Coach Heupel wanted to have Willie Martinez come with him you know, um, from, from UCF, but to me, you know, you, you have multiple people now on the defensive side of the ball that, you know, he's worked with and, and, and understands how they tick to some degree. Um, and so, um, I think the continuity just goes a long way. Um, now I don't know, I don't think that necessarily just because Willie coached with Josh the last three years and, you know, Mike worked as a, as a GA at Oklahoma with Josh, means he understands, you know, everything and there's just continuity there. But I think it does let him have some type of vibe and pulse in the room on the defensive side of the ball, which, you know, I don't expect him to spend a whole lot of time with. I think this is going to be Tim Banks' ship. I don't think Josh Heupel is going to be trying to call the defense. I think that's – I don't think there's going to be any of that going on. So, uh, you know, I think the continuity on offense is something that, that Coach Heupel is very high on. And if he can get a little bit of it on the defensive side of the ball – Good. Most of all, the defensive side, they just have experience. I mean, experience at a lot of different levels, whether it's with their newest hire or their oldest defensive hire, which is Rodney Garner, because he's, you know, he's the, the longest tenured defensive coach at what, you know, like 16 days. Yeah, something like that. You know, Rob, when you look at this, I mean, we don't know how much um, – this is going to be dividing up helping with linebackers or truly just being a special teams coordinator and focusing that much on special teams. We have not seen previous coaches who have had the ability to have a 10 man staff devote, uh, devote someone to be the quote special teams coordinator other than a title for more money. This feels like it's got a chance that this is, you know, bulk of all your work is on special teams and then help out a little bit with defense is what it feels like, which is a bit of a different twist than what we've seen in the past, right? Yeah, but I also think that, I mean, assuming, I mean, we don't know how Josh Apple's going to run practice, but, you know, special teams is not going to be the majority. I mean, he's going to be hands-on, I would have to imagine, with the linebackers for a good chunk of practice and, you know, totally running the show when you break into, into team periods. Yeah, I mean, but he has worked with not just, you know, Austin, a lot of special teams coordinators or other position coaches that get that title and haven't really worked with kickers or anything. I mean, he's got experience working with kickers based on his resume, right? I mean, like yeah. some kicking coach ability. 
Yeah, some ability. I'm, I'm not going to give him too much credit, but right. <laughs> I mean, there's so I, I do think like there's you know some semblance of uh, you know experience there, and and ultimately, you know, I don't know if you want anybody messing with your kickers and punters too much because that is such a mental position, um, especially a, a guy that you know looks as intense as Coach Eckler does. I mean, you go and look at any picture, and it is a thrill of minutes. So yeah, the, 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 the fact that he had a mohawk when he was at Kansas State and, and painted his face up, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, well, just not only that, but, like, you look at his coaching pictures. I mean, he is, yeah. you know, zero to a million in, like, 2.2. So, I mean, I just – I'm not sure you want that kind of guy, like, you know, talking to, you know, whoever your place kicker is. I mean, I've been around J.T. Carver, great young man, would venture to say if he gets real jacked around JT, JT is going to, you know, get spooked. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about this staff in general, Rob, when, when you look at it. What, what do you – now that it's the dust is settled here and, and it looks like everything is done, what do you make of Josh Heupel's first staff? I mean, I, I love the defensive staff in terms of where these guys have been. I mean, you got guys at the coach of Texas, at Michigan, Penn State, Georgia, Auburn. Um Lots of power five experience. I, I think that's important. And, and But then I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because they don't have that power five experience on the offensive side. But the continuity, the familiarity with one another, I think is is a strength. And Josh Heupel, I mean, he knows what's on the line here. I mean, he's, people have heard him talk. He's a smart guy. He's not just hired his buddies. I mean, he's hired guys that he's worked with, that he feels confident in, and um, are intimately familiar with how he wants to play on that side of the ball. Austin, what do you make of him? I agree. I think there's something to be said for the continuity. I don't know what the continuity will be like on defense. I think that, you know, there's a lot of experience there. But, you know, yeah, Rodney and Willie have worked together before. Um, but, I mean, the rest of the defensive staff had not worked a lot together or has not worked together at all. Um, you know, so I, I think there's something to be said for continuity on offense, though. Um, you know, it's an offense that, you know, they need to score points and, uh, you know, to have the, the common voice, the common message across the board, I think that that helps. So, uh, you know, yeah, maybe they're not, you know, proven, you know, so to speak with LRB and Halsley and Golish at the power five level. That doesn't mean that, that they can't come in here and have a lot of success because I, I, I don't think that you can sit there and say, Okay, yeah, that's they're just you know they're just UCF. Like, yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's I think that's 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 narrow minded. I mean, I'm, no I'm not how- saying they're going to be home runs either. I'm just saying you got to give them a shot to prove themselves. I think they could very well come in here and, and be able to put up points and, and and do what they've done at other levels. I mean, no matter how it worked out in the end, Butch Jones brought in a bunch of guys that had not worked at the club before, and recruiting was not a problem in the in the early stages of that of that regime. No, I mean, that, his recruiting ability helped that, that program win nine games back-to-back seasons, which, quite well, frankly, everybody in Vol land would love to have right now. Yeah, I mean, when you really think about it, Brent, I mean, like, you know, take away the bowl wins those years. They went 8-4 and four in the regular season, back-to-back years. That's the only two times it's happened since Phillip got fired. The only two. No one else has gotten to eight in the regular season. So, like, yeah, I mean, I th- you think you're exactly right. I think Tennessee would – Love to have an eight and four type year. Would yeah. would would do a, a world of good for everybody. Well, would certainly do a world of good in recruiting, and would you're right, do a world of good for for everybody. All right, so spring practice starts as we kind of wrap up football here a little bit. 
spring practice starts um, the, the last full week of March, it appears at this point in time. Um, can they get, can they really get anything done, Rob, leading between now and, and the start of spring practice to get any real advantage moving forward or, or to really get any kind of feel for what you have? I know they're doing team bonding and I know they're working out, but, but is it just now it's a hey, get in the grass and three weeks and, and, and figure out kind of what you are? I mean, I think they can do a lot of stuff as far as chemistry, getting to know your team, getting to know your players, getting an idea of what makes guys tick, you know, who's a hard worker, who's a leader, who can, you know, who has the mental makeup to push really hard, who, who kind of needs, you know, to be, to be built up a little bit. I, I think from just getting to know one another, I think you can get a lot done that way. But no, X's and O's wise or personnel evaluation, that's, that's all on the back burner for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I just think you can watch all the tape if you want to. It's just you're at the point now where you gotta you gotta get out there and, and go to work with guys and, and see what happens and you know see what guys look like and, and we'll see what they get done the last three weeks here from a from a strength and conditioning training. I mean, what was the least surprise of all this? The news early on on Monday that AJ Artis was leaving this program. I mean, that, that oh, just, I it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, it, it and, and that's not a knock on AJ Artis. I just. It just didn't feel like um, when Heupel brought Kurt Schmidt with him from Central Florida that it just that there was going to be any chance they're going to have quote two football strength coaches. It just that just wasn't to me just wasn't going to work out ultimately long term. Well, I don't think Heupel was going to get rid of him. I think Heupel was perfectly content to let him, you know, still be in the building, still have an impact on kids and have a voice. But you know. We all know how that plays out. I mean, you know, when you're the the lone holdover from a previous staff, especially the way that staff ended, um, it's tenure here. You know, it, it just didn't make any sense that he was going to be around very long. I mean, I thought maybe he could make it through one year, but at best it was going to be a one-year deal. And, you know, Jeff Scott was able to get him down there to South Florida, and he's gone. Yeah, and I think a good – I mean, I think a good move for A.J., and, and it makes – you know, it, it makes the most sense. And, Rob, everybody – who comes into a new place as a head coach brings their own strength guy. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a get, I mean, it's just a get, even, even coach Fulmer changed strength guys and he was just promoted from within. Very rarely does a guy from the outside coming into a new job, not bring his strength coach with him. I don't care what sport it is. And it's not as sexy as the coordinator position or, you know, play caller or all that, but it's one of the most important hires that you're going to make on your staff, given the amount of time, they spend with those kids in the off season. So no, I mean, it's not really surprising, but that's a big hire. Yeah. I mean, it, it's an important hire and it's a hire that the head coach has to have 100% complete trust in. And that's why he brought his own guy. Cause he's been with him since he was at Missouri, uh, which, which makes them the, the most sense there. So uh, those guys set the tone. I mean, they set the off season tone for your program. And, you know, if you have a running backs coach that needs some help, you know, the head coach can spend, a period or two of practice earlier. Same thing for wide receivers coach. You can walk around and spend a period or two or there. You can't run the off season program. No. And, and, we're, and Austin, when you have four and five years, and I don't know what the number is in the last 10 years, I quit counting. Um, <laughs> not sure I got enough fingers and toes at this point to count how many that there've been that that's been as big of an issue as this program has had in terms of developing football players. Yeah. I mean, and you know, somebody said today, like, you know, made the comment about like, you know, still no lack or no continuity with the strength program, but like there never is when you change coaches, as you pointed out. It, the big thing is, is like when you keep one here, like if Josh Heupel's here for five years, 
the best thing that could happen to Tennessee is Kurt Schmidt be here the fifth year. Like, you know, the problem was is that no matter who Tennessee's head coach was, they were constantly changing them out. You know, Jeremy comes in, Fitzgerald's here, then AJ's, you know. So he had two and three years. Butch, you know, it was like a revolving door after he had, Dave Lawson. He had three in his last three years. When you look at, you know, when Dave Lawson, and then um, I can't remember what the next Churchin, guy. and yes. then Rock. Golson in three years. So just just you got to have some continuity there. And, and again, to have continuity there, you got to keep your coach. So uh, we'll see how this team develops and trains. I know a lot of players on this team were big fans of AJ Artis, even though he was only the strength coach, the heads, the head guy for one year. Uh, and that was in a COVID year, which was very unusual. But he, you know, kids were a fan of his. And so um which I'm always le- I'm leery of that though. I mean, after the, the kids were a big fan of Mike Searchin too because they got to run roughshod over him. You know, I, I you know I, I'm not saying that like AJ can't be a, a good strength coach and a and a, and a player strength coach because that, that that I think that does happen. But AJ's youth mixed with the fact that all the players wanted him so bad always made me wonder like, is it because they get to do and have more freedoms than they normally do. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. They just something I'm just saying, like, I think the Mike Sertian deal probably made me jaded towards some of that. Well, and, and Rob, I mean, you go back to, to, to John Stuckey being here. I, I don't know that John Stuckey was everybody's buddy on the team. You know, they had respect for him, but I don't know. I don't know how much they, they often enjoy John Stuckey, you know, and you look, I mean, you look at the basketball situation, you know, those players like Garrett, but um, they, they're, I mean, they know how rough shot Garrett's and they're how hard Garrett's. Up. Yeah, there's an intimidation <laughs> factor with Garrett and everything that he asked them to do. And I think Johnny Long was a pretty good blend. Maybe the best blend of somebody that could, you know, players like, but he could also just climb all up in their kitchen and, and demand demand more from them. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how this plays out moving forward because this is just a part of the development and the growth of this program. And, again, that, to, to have that to happen, it's got to have some continuity. All right, let's talk a little um, – let's talk a little hoops first, then we'll dive oh. into recruiting. I know, Rob. I, I, I understand. You know, I had a Yankee Stadium story to tell. <laughs> talk about how you met Yogi Bear in, in the clubhouse. Um, <laughs> as Rick Barnes t- told that story uh, Monday night on ball calls. You, you know, it, it, it's – it's interesting because um, they get the week off. Does this team need a week off just to get their legs back? Will Barnes give them a chance to get their legs back? Will this be anything other than training camp for three days before you get into game prep? How, how do you how do you think you handle this week uh, with this unusual schedule where you got you know you play on Sunday before you get ready for the SEC tournament? Yeah, I kind of like it. In a way, I mean, I can, I can see people – I can see both sides. People saying they need a game, they need to get on the court. I kind of like it. I really like it for Josiah James. I don't think he's healthy. He's not done – he's not looked good the last two games. He looks tentative. I think the left wrist is bothering him. And Rick is not maniacal in how he practices these guys, like like some people think. I mean, he really backs off the day before a game. He's smart about that. He talks to his, to his conditioning staff, keeps his finger on the pulse. Now, he'll wear him out a couple days a week. But not he won't you know cut off his nose to spot his face and send a message on Friday when they play at noon on Saturday. But um, I mean I really just don't know that it matters right now. I mean I, I just think you think they're done. I mean I'm not saying they won't win another game, although I, I would 
that's a possibility. But uh, I just think I, I don't know how much you can fix on March for, you know, we're sitting here, I'm recording this on March 1st, you know, they played the regular season has one game left. I mean, I'm just not sure how much you can get under the hood and tinker and make anything a lot better right now. Rob, when you look at college basketball in general, and, and, and Barnes talked a little bit about this on Monday night, just to, just about how difficult it's been. And we talked about this in the football season a great deal as well. It's something Jeremy Pruitt talked about. Just the fact that the players can't interact and don't interact with each other off the court the way that you typically would. One, do you think that has a big effect, a big effect on chemistry, continuity on the floor? And B, how much of a factor do you think that is in coaches having maybe their finger on the pulse of their team compared to other years? For, for example, the basketball team typically eats after practice altogether. That's not happening at all this year. Is that a big deal or is that excuse making when your team's not playing particularly well? I mean, I don't know about excuse making, but I mean, everybody's dealing with it. And, but I, I mean, I, I do think that maybe it's more important for, and I'm not making an excuse because I don't think this is the reason Tennessee is six and six in its last 12 games. But I think that's been such a strength of this program, the culture, the, the off court camaraderie, that maybe it, it impacts Tennessee more but I also think it's way easier in basketball than in football because of the numbers I mean those kids still spend a lot of time together in the locker room you know Tennessee's locker room is a is a palace I mean both all kinds of big screen TVs all kinds of xboxes snacks drinks I mean it's it's a really high-end lounge to put it mildly very comfortable very very high tech and I think they, they spend a lot of time in there but it's not a normal year and you know that's that's part of it, but I, I would have a hard time using that as a crutch to explain what we've seen this last month. Well, and, and, and Barnes wasn't saying that. He was just talking about the challenges that this year presents. I just wanted to go a little further to see if that, you know, if you thought that had any kind of effect. And I'm not suggesting that that would have an effect on why John Fulkerson has not, you know, his numbers are dramatically down from a year ago and, and, and why that this team has just not had the ability to show up night in and night out the way that you would expect them to um, from, from a competitive standpoint. I mean, it, it, and I'm not saying that they've just been, you know, outclassed from a competitive standpoint, night in and night out, but they've just had too many games where you're like, what, you know, just, it, just head scratching moments of guys just not being engaged. You know, I mean, there were, you talked about it uh, on the locker room Sunday night. We talked about it on Saturday. There were th- three guys who it felt like were engaged at Auburn and that was the two freshmen and ponds and really everybody else was just kind of seemingly going through the motions, which is a, the most bizarre thing that, that I've seen out of, out of a Rick Barnes team since he's been here. It's just kind of a head scratcher. And I don't know why. I don't want to question the effort. Cause I mean, that's a, that's a slippery slope. I mean, I'm not saying kids aren't trying, but I, I think effort and intensity are two different things. And I didn't see intensity out of Tennessee's team on, on Saturday. And, I mean, the biggest stat that illustrates that is the free throws. And Tennessee gets to the line 10 times, all 10 from the freshman, and Auburn gets there 37. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of that was at the end of the game, but it was disproportionate before before Tennessee went into foul mode. Yeah, way disproportionate for sure. It, so. it, it, sure, it sure feels like to me that the uh, the post position is almost – it's a it's much smaller level to what Tennessee's quarterback position is in football. A lot of bodies, not a lot of production – and some head scratching. And even more so, if you would have brought back – if, if Jerry Guarantano as a junior had been second team all, all SEC. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the that's take take the comparison even a step further. Yeah, it's just I mean, because you've Rob, you've said it many times. I mean, even if 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 Fulkerson just has the numbers he had a year ago, this is probably a twenty one basketball team, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, Again, I, it I mean, I, I love the kid. I don't want to. No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not ripping on the kid, but this, the numbers are the numbers. I mean, you, you go know? from. I mean, he averaged 15 points a game in SEC play last year, and right now he's at 7.3. Yeah. And and if you if you throw out the South Carolina game, which was fool's gold, apparently he's averaging <laughs> four, four points a game in, in the last seven. Yeah. Which well, I mean, you can't. Tennessee's not going to win many like that. That's not much more than me. <laughs> and, no. they, and they've got their hands full. Sunday afternoon against the Florida team that's playing better. It's getting good guard play and should be a hundred percent when they weren't a hundred percent the first time they played Tennessee and beat them by what? 26 points 26. or something like that. So um, plenty of work for Tennessee to do on Sunday. We'll see what they get done this week with this extended uh, off time. And then obviously it's, it's on to tournament play where, um, you know, I, I, it's just hard to believe this team could just magically turn things around and get hot quote at the right time but uh their first opportunity to do that is on sunday afternoon at, at thompson bowling arena as they close out the regular season against florida all right austin price let's talk a little recruiting here not a good week for tennessee on the quarterback front as ty simpson goes to alabama and then Understand. sam horn shocks everybody or surprises everybody with his decision to go to missouri uh as quickly i don't i don't think the i mean i think we all felt like missouri was Everybody was chasing Missouri, but I don't think any of us saw a Sunday commitment coming from Sam Horn, um, you know, and anything like that. So uh, where do they go at the quarterback spot, and where are they in recruiting right now? Well, I mean, I'm going to look at uh, the, the states of Indiana and Ohio. David Jackson, Drew Arla, and, and, and I think that's where they'll, they'll, they'll start it with. I mean, Jackson just doesn't feel like he's anywhere close. And I mean, rightfully so. I mean, if you don't know and you've never been to these schools, why would you rush anything, even if you're a quarterback? Like, you know, uh, like some of these schools, like Ty had visited all these schools numerous times, even dating back to when he was a sophomore as an unofficial visitor. So, like, he had been to these places. But, like, some of these guys haven't been. So, I mean, like a Taven Jackson, he's never been to Florida, never been to Tennessee, never been to a lot of these schools that have offered him. So, why, why not take your time and – you know, that's the hard part is, you know, these quarterbacks come off the board so early. If you recruit one kind of to the finish line and it goes a lot longer than normal, like do you leave yourself, uh, you know, run the risk of being kind of left with nothing? You know, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, the kid from Ohio, if Tennessee could find a way to get in the mix heavily with him, and I've been trying to get a hold of him and just haven't been able to, um, then, then maybe that, you know, that'd be a direction they go. People have asked about, Guys like Braden Davis, I think he's way down the list. Tevin Carter, even further down the list. You know, I know these, you know, these kids have some stars beside their name, but that that's irrelevant. So, um, you know. What's a prototypical Josh Hopple quarterback recruit going to look like? Well, I think it's – I don't know if it's – there is a, a kind of a set thing. I do think that he wants a guy that can, that can move around. I mean, I'm not saying he needs, you know – Jalen Hurts, Jackson, but you know he's got to have somebody that can that can move and slide and 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 make a play when need be. And don't you think don't you think the ability to to show uh, an arm that can show the vertical passing game yeah. because of vertical. so much of what they do is vertical versus quota 
West Coast offense or, or whatever your terminology. I mean, I think the guy's got to be able to throw it vertically down the field. Um, I, I mean, I, I would imagine when they watch tape, that's the throw. That's one of the throws they're looking at is can he throw the deep out? You know, can he throw the deep square in? Can he throw the, you know, a deep post? I think the deep ball uh, is something that would, that would jump out there as well as a guy who can, as you said, move enough to, to where his, his legs can be somewhat effective, either if that's eluding a rush um, and extending plays to throw it or it's extending plays with his legs in terms of gaining positive yards running the football. Um, one would think that, that those would be the case. All right, let, let's take quarterback out of the equation at this point. You had a chance to see some kids in Gatlinburg over the weekend that Tennessee's involved in. Uh, I know Tennessee did some virtual stuff on Monday in terms of, quote, virtual visits and, and, and that type of thing. Where are they otherwise outside of the quarterback position? Let's start in state. Where, where, where are they making some headway? Well, everybody wants them to like get a commit, like you know, like there questions from the chat, like you know, who's close? Who you know? I don't know if anybody's necessarily close. I do feel like that. I don't know why. It's just more of a gut feeling, you know, that they're going to have somebody in the month of March pop. I have no no names, no anything, no direction. It's a feeling, you know. Um, but I mean, like they—they they do have—they have made some headway in state with some guys, you know. I mean, you know, the Wade Twins are filling Tennessee. You know, Fisher Anderson filling Tennessee. Diarco Perkins filling Tennessee. You know, Tennessee did a Zoom with Patrick Kudis on Monday night, who I think Tennessee will be a factor for. But you got to watch teams like Northwestern and Notre Dame. Big academic guy is Patrick Kudis. So if those teams get in the mix, then all of a sudden I think Tennessee, you know, could be you know uh, fighting an uphill battle. Um, you know, Tennessee wants to be heavily involved with Caden Pope. I think they'll be heavily involved with Caden Pope. I'm not sure he's that close to doing anything, though. Um, you know, Tennessee's going to continue to, to swing on out-of-state kids, whether it be the Brubaker kid, big lineman from north, Addison Nichols. Tennessee seems to be in a good spot there, you know, but I'm not sure he's ready to, like, commit or anything like that. So, um, you know, it just feels like right now Tennessee is making up some ground but not necessarily in any position to where they're going to get a lot of momentum. Uh, I do think that the Wade twins, if Tennessee could find a way to get them in the boat, would be, you know, a big momentum shift for Tennessee. Uh, you know, again, I don't want to put too much pressure on those two kids, but at the same time, like, I think Tennessee is going to really kind of up their efforts with both. They, they like those kids a lot. You haven't watched Destin run routes. I think, you know, I, I told you, Last week, he reminded me of like CJ Phaeton, except for he's bigger than CJ Phaeton was, um, and looked a lot more natural running routes than I thought he would. And Keaton looks like a stud, you know. I mean, he, yeah. so I, I know you said in the chat you thought Ohio State was on top for Dallin. Is he? Is, what's his timetable? Is he going to wait? And does Tennessee have a chance to make it ground there? Well, thanks to his mother, who is a, a, a smart lady. They're not going to do anything, I don't believe, until they can take some visits. So, you know, I, you know, now granted, if this thing gets into August and we're still in the dead period, that probably changes. But I think you're going to have several months to be able to recruit Dallin and figure it out. I think Ohio State leads. I think Tennessee's in it, though. I don't want to, you know, to, to me, this is not something where Tennessee's, you know, sitting in sixth or seventh place. I think Tennessee's in it. I just think they're trailing right now, but that's okay. You, you, you ain't about being on top right now. 
It's about figuring out a way to build relationships with Jerry Mack, Josh Heupel. Dallin likes Josh Heupel a lot because when he recruited Chase. And so, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't get caught up in where they're at positioned right now, especially for kids that we know aren't committing tomorrow. All right, let me ask this as a big picture question. Dead period's supposed to end the end of May. Let, let's say it opens up June 1st. Is the NCAA going to say, hey, you're wide open June 1st to June 30th, and then they're going to shut it back down for the month of July? Or do you think that the NCAA will say, hey, because of whatever everybody's gone through for the last year, we're going to open this thing up for June and July and then shut it back down you know, in, in August, or, or do you think, you think they'll make it dead in July? What, 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 what do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, the right thing to do would be to open it up at, bar, at bare minimum. Maybe you allow official visits in June, but maybe not July, but you allow unofficials in July, but you know, it's NCAA, you know, Rob's continue to be pessimistic about them opening it up. And I, I mean, I don't disagree with anything like that. He said, I just think at some point, so it's kind of like, you know, I've said, I've told you guys in private conversations, I thought either LSU, Alabama, or Florida would be the first to step out there and say, we're going to be full in the fall. And Alabama did that on Monday. And I think that's when all everybody else starts to follow suit. Will somebody step out there that, you know, and, and I know it's an organization, but will, will something, will somebody, another organization step out and put a little pressure on the NCAA to open it back up? Because, you know, I think that they're going to get to a point where there is going to be some pressure but, you know, who knows? There's no rhyme or reason to any decision they make, whether it be from eligibility to, you know, what we're talking about right here. Hubbard, I think you answered in the chat. I think the NCAA is just going to pair it back, whatever the CDC is saying. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like, if they come out and say, hey, you know, it, we should start getting back to normal, then I think the NCAA will do something. I, I do think the smartest thing they could do, Brent, is at bare minimum allow 22s to take official visits. Like if you guys want to, if you guys want to visit and see coaches, it's got to be an official visit, make it count. You go put your money where your mouth is on this stuff. Then you can do that, but we're not allowing unofficial visits on campus right now. That's going to like keep ever, the numbers on campuses way down. But for a team, somebody like Dallin who wants to take official visits, go see Ohio state, go see Notre Dame, go see some of these schools. Then, it, then I think you would see a guy like him take visits as soon as they were allowed to be taken. I, I can envision that. What I what I have a hard time envisioning is, is like full-on camp season in June. Yeah, where you have 400 kids at your camp, 400 kids on unofficial visit. Um, yeah, I, you know, but you're seeing some seven-on-seven seven stuff take place where you got 400 kids running around. Yeah, you know, there, there was like – I'd say 25% of the people were wearing a mask in Gallenberg. Yeah. So yeah. That's, on any, that's on any given day. Yeah. You know, but we'll see what happens with college basketball too, Rob. I mean, you know, are they, what are they going to do there? I mean, from a, from any kind of summer camp season, any, well, it, and I'll tell you what, it's going to be critical in college basketball is because all those kids that are transferring are going to want to make a decision in May and enroll in summer school in June. And that's going to be a real, I mean, a, a real hurdle for, yeah everybody to clear I mean, with, the, with the way the transfer season is now i mean it's big in football it's huge in basketball and tennessee is going to be up to their next it. yep and either have... way either way tennessee needs the dead period to end period yeah. they, actually no it's not even a period that's six exclamation points yeah they, do. Like they, they need it to end because you know right now 
them not being able to get face to face with kids is really kind of hurting the new staff as their, their ability to kind of get any kind of momentum. So they, they need that thing to end sooner rather than later. Well, we know the earliest that it will end is June 1, which will make for the the May basketball transfer window a very interesting one where coaches are trying to get guys without being able to bring them to campus and look things over. And then the question becomes, what do they do in July if they open it up in June? Just some of the big questions that are looming out there in the world of recruiting for both football and basketball. We'll continue to follow that. We'll follow plenty of recruiting. We'll follow this basketball team. We'll talk to you about it all on the General's Quarters every day, but that's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the Blue Water Climate Control VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.